What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to another pay-per-view point edition of the Smartout Moments Smack Talk podcast. It's time for the post-show for NXT TakeOver 30, which just went down a few minutes ago. So we're going to give you our first impressions, our uh, immediate thoughts on everything that happened, the full results, recap, all that other kind of good stuff. Who are we? Well, I'm your host as always, Tony Mango. Joining me as always are Callum Wiggins. Hey, everyone. And Robert DeFelice. Hello. So... TakeOver 30, we've had 31 of these events, because the first one wasn't called TakeOver, but um, general idea in mind, uh, I would normally ask, how do you feel about the pay-per-view, but I want to set this up ahead of time. I'm the only one who got to really, really, really see all of it, <laughs> for the most part, between the three of us, uh, so to give us a little bit of breakdown of where everybody's coming from, I watched the whole thing from top to bottom, but uh, Rob, what were you... Uh, what was your whole situation about? I I work for Fightful on the weekends, and as it happens, I was covering Dynamite play-by-play, so I couldn't watch the early show, but I did catch the latter portion of it, and from what I saw, it looked fun. Callum, you were uh, your side of the fence? It's really fucking light, Tony. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm not always in the best state of mind in terms of my tiredness or level of awakeness for this show. And nothing really, as as in part, some past takeovers have been able to give me something which really sinks my teeth into and gets me woken up and get started. This one didn't do anything for me until the uh, like third match. So I, I have notes from the previous matches, but they're a bit of a blur and they're less comprehensive than they usually are for me. Yeah, if you can't tell by his accent, uh, Callum is not on the uh, Eastern time zone. He's clearly from... Montana, no. <laughs> so time difference vastly different. Of course, uh, that's a big factor in that. But I will say, I for an overall perspective of this, I enjoyed pretty much everything on the card. I didn't really like a couple little nitpicks here and there, and there's something about one match that I'm not a, a big fan of. But uh, for the most part, this was a rock solid pay per view for me that I just enjoyed from pretty much the start to the finish, and. Saying that, I will say, though, it didn't feel like TakeOver 30 to me. It felt like it was just another TakeOver. So I'm a little bit underwhelmed when it comes to that. You know, TakeOver 25, uh, 25 felt a little bit more like a special TakeOver. And this was a little bit more on par with just, you know, TakeOver uh, New Orleans or Boston or whatever you would want to call any of those kind of things would be. I didn't feel like it was that special. So... If well, they any... had Pyro. That Pyro, yeah. I'm a big fan of Carrying uh, Cross's Pyro in particular. Um, and they had, you know, some of the, like, elements of trying to make it feel like it was special, but it, it didn't match up to some of those things. I didn't really think that it would on some expectations. Like, we'll get into this a little bit more, but, uh, for instance, I didn't think that this ladder match was going to be as good as the original ladder match to crown the inaugural North American champion, and it wasn't. But despite those things, I still enjoyed it a lot. So um, whether you agree with that opinion or you disagree with that, I still want to know what you guys have to say in the comments section below. So by all means, drop your comments there on YouTube. And if you're over there, then you should hit that subscribe button if you haven't done that already and ring that little notification bell. Hit the like button on the video as well, too. And try to take advantage of the new applause 
function that's on there too, because that is another way to boost the revenue on here. And of course, it's only if you have the spare change that you want to be able to do that and show your support in that way. There's also the uh, new membership thing where you can hit the little join button on the YouTube thing and take part of that, which is essentially the YouTube version of the Patreon. And of course, the Patreon is out there for anybody who wants to show their support for the Patreon and Smart Cat Moment in general. The $1 tier all the way up through. You got the $10 dark cast tier. We got the Patreon exclusive episodes. You got the pick your poison tier where you can request special features. All that good stuff is all over those place on there. So if you want to help this channel and this website grow, those are two of the main, main ways for you to do that. But if you are listening to us on something like Spotify or something like that, leave us a star rating or a follow or whatever they have on that thing. And since you can't leave a comment there, tweet at us at smart out moment send uh, something on facebook post on the website whatever it is to get your opinions out there look at that a lot of plugs out of the way very quickly um let's start diving into this kind of thing here we had the pre-show which was a little bit of just some recap and an analysis type stuff until we got into our triple threat number one contenders match to determine who was going to fight imperium for the nxt tag team championship down the line we don't know exactly when but we can kind of assume it's just going to happen on an nxt episode and that was Brizongo winning. They beat Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, as well as Legato Del Fantasma. And I was surprised about that. I thought that this was a Birch and Lorcan win for sure. Because uh, Brizongo, they've had their chances and stuff. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of just circling back. But I'm not opposed to it. You know, I like Brizongo. So I enjoyed the match good enough. And... I'm interested to see where they go from here. I, I'm a little bit in the disappointed side of things that Birch and Lorcan still don't seem to get any kind of big wins, but whatever. How are you guys feeling about the idea of Brizango getting a, a title shot? Not a not a fan because they already got it. I was really hoping for Lorcan and Birch. I mean, they were telling the story on commentary about the fact that both um, Fandango and Tyler Breeze have never won a championship in their entire times in WWE or, or NXT. And so maybe they maybe that's going to be the final big payoffs that they're actually going to win the titles, and so get that monkey off their back, as it were. In terms of the actual match itself, it was just I I, I don't know, like especially with the standards of tag team wrestling in NXT as we've discussed previously, it was just six guys doing moves for the very mm -hmm. vast majority of it. It didn't have any structure to the match together. I'm not a huge fan of these free people in the rings for these triple threat tag team matches now, as opposed to what they previously did, because it just makes it more chaotic and unstructured. There's a cool, like some cool dives to the outside and a few decent spots, but yeah, nothing. And the finish kind of came out of nowhere with just Tyler Breeze just super kicking, locking and pinning him. Yeah, so match didn't really do anything for me, even though there was nothing particularly wrong with it. And I can understand the result. Only if and only that uh, Breezango actually win the titles at the end of it. This match and two, if not three other matches on this card, I think can be summed up pretty well by saying what kind of what you had said. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just nothing all that super special. Like ultimately, you know, you remember the great meals that you've had and you rewatch the movies that are fantastic and all that. But if you watch a movie that's just okay or if you eat a meal that's just sort of like yeah it was, it was a good burger or whatever like that then it's good but it's not great and that's kind of where this falls you know we've had plenty of amazing tag team matches and this definitely wasn't one of them 
but it wasn't bad. It's just a match. It's fine. We had then Finn Balor against Timothy Thatcher. And that match is one of the other ones that I feel is kind of along that side of things where it was a little bit different. And I'm glad that they put this at this part of the card because I think if they would have gone with this following the ladder match, for instance, people might consider it kind of boring in retrospect. You know, it's kind of uh, slowing down the pace and everything. This was more, you got a submission guy and you got a, another technical wrestler in their targeting body parts and everything. So it was a little bit not just like spots and, you know, kicking out of finishers and all that, which is totally fine to do that too. I liked it enough that I want to see another match between these two, particularly if they can give a win to Timothy Thatcher, because once again, Finn Balor just beat another person. And I, I don't know, I'm kind of getting a little bit of this feeling that like Balor maybe complained that he wanted to go back down to NXT. And part of this whole idea was, and I should beat everyone like that kind of like, <laughs> what's the, uh, the thing for Bob Holly, the whole, Hey, I got an idea. Why don't you give me the belt? And then I beat everyone. I got an idea. <laughs> I beat everyone. It's kind of like that. It's like Finn Balor is just sort of, oh, I know how I can fix NXT. I go there and I beat the crap out of everybody one by one. Just Gargano a dream. And, uh, well, I mean, he lost a dream on this week. But, um, you know, I beat this guy and that guy and that guy. We just kind of go through the mix. And then eventually I go back up to the main roster or something. Uh, I want Thatcher to get a higher up spot. And I feel like it's kind of a disappointment that he very quickly got into this whole thing with Finn Balor just to sort of lose that. And if they don't follow it up, then it'll be a much more disappointing situation. But the match was fine. I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the match for the most part. It was there was some good physicality in the grappling to start off with. I like the fact that they started it off. They didn't lock up or anything. Finn Balor's obviously pissed about him screwing him out of his shot at the North American Championship and so they went at it straight away. Some of the early grappling and transitions were pretty good. It got a little bit stale towards the the middle part with Timothy Thatcher in control, but there was a good moment where Ballard tries the coup de grace the first mm-hmm. time, but his knees buckle as he lands because of the earlier work that had been done on the knee. And there's this great, just this great shot of Ballard knowing that his, his leg is fucked and Timothy Thatcher noticing that his leg is fucked and they're just straight onto it. And that was really good. From that point, it just got a little bit, and we'll obviously talk about that a little bit more in the uh, in the main event with some in terms of rest holds and things like that. But yeah, it was it was it was a good match though, and I, I completely agree with your sentiment that I think that Thatcher should have won this here. And I know that there's the idea that Balor is a guy who shouldn't really be losing that often because of his status in NXT. But they're not they. I really like Timothy Thatcher, and I think that he has a lot of potential going forward. But they're not doing anything with him. But it might be a case of something like the Keith Lee situation where Keith Lee basically didn't do anything for the first year of his NXT run. And then they finally said, okay, we've got to click with this guy and then actually do stuff with him. So hopefully that works out if it to Thatcher in. Well, hopefully it doesn't take that long for them to notice that. But yeah, I would like to see a different, another match with these two going forward. I think this is just a, a, a sense, a sense of what they can do rather than the finished article. That uh, coup de grace moment was definitely my highlight of this match because I loved the idea that Balor, he shows that he has, his legs are messed up. And when he does that, Thatcher is like, oh, and Balor's like, ah, shit, you noticed that I did that. Like that kind of thing. That was, that was a good little moment there. That was easily my yeah. favorite part of this whole thing. Yeah, but it is getting to a point a little bit now with 
the submission guy can't win matches by submission. Unless it's against, like, like, you know... Against Denzel Tatron Headers. We both went with him. <laughs> He's the resident jobber we, we at the job point. Guy. Yeah, we know the job yeah. guy. Um, I'd like to see Thatcher potentially win that North American Championship sometime down the line. I think that he could work out really well like that. So I'd love to see him beat Balor and start rising up the card a little bit more and more. That took us to the North American Championship. The latter match was, uh, you know, five points of some different superstars here. Bronson Reed, Velveteen Dream, Cameron Grimes, Damian Priest, and Johnny Gargano. Hell of a match in a lot of ways. Uh, not, of course, as I said before, not as good as the original one. I'm sure that this would have been more energetic and better if we would have had an actual crowd, and that sucks that that's the case, but that's the way that things are right now. But I was pretty much a fan of this from start to finish. I liked all the spots. I mean, some of them were a little bit more rough than they probably should have been, like uh, Gargano's powerbomb that he did with uh, Grimes. That was a little bit rough looking. One of the standout moments, uh, Velveteen Dream (laughs) gets... uh, knocked off of the ladder and springboards himself off the top rope on like past the barricade and onto a table. That was pretty, uh, pretty a holy shit moment. I mean, it would have been if the camera didn't completely miss it for the most part. Yeah. Still, you know what was going on and you were like, Oh, Oh, Oh fuck. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm I'm sure it popped a lot of people, especially considering the fact that, at, least, at, the, at this particular, oh yeah, at this particular moment, the hashtag Fire Velveteen Dream is uh is trending worldwide at the moment. So yeah, <laughs> I think his presence in this match hurt it. Not not just due to the fact that, it, as you said, the match itself was pretty was very good. I don't want to take away from it too much, but there's two things to hurt it. First of all, it wasn't as you mentioned as good as the first uh, ladder match for the North American Championship, and the issue is that that's the only thing you can really compare it to. Right, because that's what it did before, and the fact that it isn't, it wasn't anywhere near as good as it. It was still very good, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as it. It, it drags it further down, in my estimations. And secondly, it's the fact that Velveteen Dream is in there when he, by rights, there's no reason that you had to put Velveteen Dream in this match. And like you could tell, you could tell there's some, there's some sort of atmosphere surrounding him now due to the allegations that have been going around that's making it difficult for anybody to really look past that. And just anything he does in the ring right now is marred in this whole, okay, I'm watching an alleged sex, sex offender going on this sort of thing. It's just worth noting. Triple H just stated another question regarding that on the post-show media call. Yeah, Nick Houseman asked him and he's just like, listen, we looked into it. There's nothing else we can say. Like, yeah. Mm. I don't think at this point anybody's going to accept any answer other than he's fired even if like the allegations somehow get cleared I just think it's one of those things the stink is on and it's always going to be on and that's the part that sucks yeah, short so of have... uh, making a villain out of the people that have made the accusations and turning things around and probably won't well, it's just a case of obviously we don't know what the real truth is, anything, and I don't want to go right. like by Twitter justice or anything along those lines. As if he is, does turn out to be innocent, but it's just a case of everything he's doing right now is just got has that underlying sense of we shouldn't be enjoying anything that he does right now because what if he did do that stuff? 
and then you just feel like it's, it's part of the reason like in the power rankings this week and i know that's like a really like minor case or anything like that like a little arc about writing smart car moment but it's just because i didn't want to put him on the power rankings because i just feel yeah. like well, that's gonna just okay in a couple of months time this could just all just blow up to like okay then that's just like a really little case of it but I think others, the other stuff that was going on really well, like my best, my favourite spot from the entire match was Reed doing a big splash to Gargano with Candice LeRae riding his back. Yeah, I like that. Because that was fun. That was my favourite moment. But after that point, I just felt like, okay, they're going to do that, going to have a few more transitions, battle on the top of the ladder for a little while, and then whoever's going to win, that will just win. But it just kept going for another like 10 minutes. And I don't feel like, even though you had those, some of the cool spots like the, Sunset flip powerbomb, which looked really bad to Cameron Grimes because he caught the edge of the ladder, so that looked like it sucked. And the the dream like crashed through the tables on the outside. It just didn't feel like any of those minutes added anything to it, except just extending the runtime, at least in my eyes. And so, like I would have thought, like Pride, like if they had just gone from the Reed thing and then just moved on to the towards the finish, it would have had the same rating in my mind as if they hadn't have done that extra stuff at the end of it but yeah it's, it's still a very good match like just a, a car crash style ladder match that you'd expect from nxt at this point i think if they would have I'm cut out those things toward the end it would have been a disappointment for me and the match wouldn't be as well but i'm all in favor of compacting things a little bit more and maybe shaving off a minute or so here and there I'm very sad I didn't get to watch this one. I did see the Bam Bam Bigelow gear. I'm all for Bronson Reed. Big fan. This could have been his night, but I guess you guys called it. He said if it wasn't going to be Balor, it would be Damian Priest. So, kudos to you. I'm... I I, I know, obviously, I predicted the fact that it was going to be Damian Priest, but after just watching it and seeing everyone else in the match and seeing uh, they did like their celebration spot later on in the night with him just getting in a jacuzzi with two <laughs> yeah. hot women amazing drink- one of them so was brandy lauren and the i don't oh, know yeah. who the other one was the other yeah. was jamie jameson that's i don't know where she's from but i was told that who it like, was and that must be a gimmick name right all right point star I mean, superstar yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, five stars, but go on, Callum. <laughs> but I just felt like watching it, there were three better options than Daniel Priest by the end of it. Because I, ju- I just like watching it and just feel like he's so there. I know he's doing, did a gimmick of like just oh, being surrounded by hot women and stuff like that, as if that's supposed to make me care about his actual character. The fact that he's surrounded by hot women just feels like, okay, that's like something that you you put in place of actually having your character. I like the guy enough. I'm for it. He's, he's not the worst. Definitely not the worst choice you could have to win this match. And we've already discussed who would, that would have been. But I, I went yeah, out Kona. of this thinking, I, <laughs> I, I went out of this thinking I was disappointed that Cameron Grimes didn't win. I think I would have been disappointed if Cameron Grimes won. <laughs> Something about him's not connecting I just with me. Remember Tony's awful Cameron Grimes uh, impression last night. Wow. I forget it. I'm forgetting what I had said. I'm Cameron Grimes. I'm Cameron Grimes. <laughs> <laughs> at the right wow. place at the right wow. time. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah uh, that was still at that point in the night. That was the highlight for me, and then we get Pat McAfee against Adam Cole and holy shit, 
I figured Pat McAfee would be pretty decent. This dude was better than like half the NXT roster. He understood how to sell. He understood how to like balance psychology and athleticism. The dude did a swanton and a moonsault and jumped off the top rope with like ease. This dude kicked ass. He was he was absolutely awesome in this match. It's it it's definitely if not the best one of the best celebrity appearances in a in a match before easily this guy, this guy could pick it up immediately and he could sign up with nxt or whatever in the next uh week or whatever and i could easily see him being a world champion boy like <laughs> rest the rest of my new weekend next year he's that good isn't that weird because it's like you expect that like some athletes that they might be able to do some stuff in the ring here and there and like even like when Ronda came in, it was like, well, you know, she's been in MMA and everything like that, so she should have a leg up on a lot of her people, and she's not that bad, and like whatever, like that kind of stuff. But I was like, maybe Pat McAfee will be able to pull off some decent stuff here and there. And about two minutes into it, I'm like, he knows his character better than a lot of other people. That's interesting, and he's doing some some in ring work that's actually like a good looking headlock, and like uh, you know, he's running the ropes well, and he's doing this, and he's doing that. I'm like. I'm legit enjoying this as if this would have just been a regular, I don't know, a number one contenders match or something like that. Like you take knowing that that's Pat McAfee and that he's not a member of the roster out of the equation, show that to somebody else. I'm assuming that they're just going to go, Oh, I like this guy. Is he like uh, some, you know, he used to be North American champion or something like that. Like just, he fits so well. It was ridiculous. Loved it. Yeah. That moon soul out of the corner. And then leaping up onto the top rope to deliver a superplex. It's just it's just ridiculous. That's something that you expect Ricochet to do or something along those lines. And he it's just he's just a, a guy who was only a football player and a podcaster a couple of weeks ago and now he's just there and you just feel like, yeah, he just fits in perfectly. So again, I still have the issue in my mind about the fact that he had such a great performance that he absolutely overshadowed Adam Cole in this match. Like Easily overshadowed. I mean, there was the, he. This was his show. Yeah, Adam Cole was good. It's not like Adam Cole did anything wrong in the match, but it was just he. And it's the idea that he's meant to be the again the longest reigning NXT champion of all time, and he got blown out. He obviously won the match in the end, as he should have done, but he got blown out of the water in terms of performance by Pat McAfee. So, I guess that was I, kind of was kind of part of it because obviously it is his showcase, but still, that, that there's a bit of an issue with that still. Did he do exactly what I said he would do and carry the celebrity through the show, or did the celebrity hold his own? The, the celebrity... Carried Adam uh, Cole. Carried kind of. him, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He outperformed, outperformed Adam Cole. Like, he was so much more in tune with his character. He was jaw-jacking Adam Cole throughout the entire thing. He was selling great. He was... Yeah, just everything kind of made sense. Adam Cole was just kind of there to do the things at the start, and then have the finish at the end. Um, oh, everything else was just all Pat McAfee, pretty much. They even well, had a good spot here where he went to go kick Adam Cole on the outside and he kicked the ring steps instead. And then that kind of set up the idea that when he did eventually kick Cole, that Cole was able to kick out of it because potentially maybe that kick wasn't as forceful as it normally would have been if he wouldn't have messed up his foot. Like Moments yeah. like that are just kind of like... This logic where you go, if you could do that, then why are you doing all this other stuff? And like, if if you got like a Pat McAfee can come in here and he, I don't know how long he's been training for this kind of stuff, but it can't be 
as long Google as some of the people. Two, two weeks. And he knows how to do every facet of this job better than some people that have been in NXT for like three, four, five, ten years at this point. That's crazy. And awesome. Like, he deserves so much praise for this. Yep. I'd, I'd be happy with them signing him. If Me he, too. If he, wants to, if he wants to do this full time, then he's more than welcome. With that level of a performance and the fact that he does have star power that he's already bringing into the mix, I'd be like, you know what? Sign him in one of those deals where he doesn't have to do all of the super crazy stuff the way that a lot of other people do. Like, put him on one of those kind of Rey Mysterio-ish deals, you know? Let him do well, the TVs and not have to do, like, uh, well, they don't really do house shows the same, but still, you know what I mean? Like, I can say, because I'm listening to the media call in my ears, and uh, Triple H just said this isn't his last time. They're going to sit down and talk to him and see if he wants to do it full time. That is, uh, that's going to be something that's really cool, because... You figure we almost had the whole Rob Gronkowski thing and that became like this big deal that could potentially be this big, you know, uh, draw for the company and it ends up just fizzling out into absolutely nothing. And then now they show that footage of Vince McMahon falling off the um, <laughs> the thing and <laughs> it's like, the- that's it? That's the big story we've been hearing about? It's that he fell a couple feet down into this giant crash pad? Like, Well, no, 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 no. It's the fact that the fucking football player didn't yeah, do it. Like, that's what I mean, though. That's where it's like Vince had to do that for you. Like that's nothing. Why? That's the big story where it was like, oh god, like it like it's another day at the office. Yeah, I'm like that. That's you could tell a little six year old and be like, hey, you want to jump off here onto this padding? And they'd be like, yeah, and just do it. Like you go to any of those like Discovery Discovery Zone? Is that the name of it? That used to be back in the day. It's like a. Uh, the kids like a uh, jungle gym type things and stuff like that. Like that's the whole point of those is you jump from like high spots and do what they have it at access where you can jump off the top rope into the pit and whatever. Like, yeah, it's mm. nothing. Come on. Gronk. I'd, I'd love to know the disparity of how much Gronk got paid for his appearances in WWE compared to what Pat McAfee just got paid for his stuff. Yeah. It's, it's incalculable how much better Pat McAfee was as a performer in this than what we got out of Gronk. So if they can bring McAfee in for more than this, I'm all for it. I'd love to see him be in a match with Gargano. I'd love to see him in a match against Ciampa. Just to be a manager even, because he's a good talker. Like, this is great. This was easily my favorite part of the whole night. Like, no questions down. Yep, it was all downhill for me. That's uh, <laughs> that's not a phrase, but... You go with it. No questions down. Um, <laughs> no questions asked. No hands down. Whatever it is. <laughs> I, I'm excited to go back and watch this and the ladder match. Definitely worth checking out. Now, I did like Io Shirai against Dakota Kai. That's not to say that I hated that or anything. Uh, really early on, Io Shirai did a, a spot where she ended up landing on her head a little bit. So I was like, ah, crap. Like, there you go. There's an injury. But Thankfully, it didn't end up being the case. She didn't seem a little bit frazzled, but she got her uh, her wits about her afterward. And this was a Dakota Kai show in a lot of ways. She was the one that was really driving the whole match and showing a lot of intensity between a lot of things. I wrote down that one of my favorite parts of this whole thing was just funny where uh, part of her hair extensions fell out. And in my mind, I'm like, well, there's our hair versus hair match. <laughs> kind of but I liked it. And... um 
Ultimately, there's not too much that I have to say about it. They did a ref bump, and I wasn't expecting that. And then that got me thinking, oh, man, we might actually get, like, Raquel might be involved, and we might get to go to Kai winning this championship. So they got me on that one. I'll admit it. If the commentary team didn't open their damn mouth with the, oh, well, this is definitely it. It's definitely over. Oh, I would have genuinely thought, okay, Dakota Kai is winning this belt. To be honest, I didn't know that they were doing that because I tuned them out since we didn't have Morrow tonight. Oh, uh, well. Good idea. Yeah. I like Corey and I like Vic. So there wasn't the worst commentary team you could get. No, I mean, we could have had plenty of other people in the past that have been worse. But, you know, without Morrow being there to just really sell things, it just becomes background noise. And he was sure I won. She retained title by pinfall. After a really nice moonsault, which followed a moonsault that caught Raquel right in the head. <laughs> so that was kinda, yeah. Kind of weird. But uh, then Raquel attacked after the match and Rhea Ripley made the save. And that made me just instantly think, so why didn't we get Rhea Ripley versus Dakota Kai with Raquel on the outside? Like the most logical way. Why did we have to go with the Charlotte Flair title win who drops it to EO, then switches over to this. And then Rhea does that like uh, Tony, Tony, it was a different time. It was a different year. It was, you know, not a different year. <laughs> it was, oh, it absolutely was. We had people when when they were booking this at first. No, same year we uh, she won the title at WrestleMania. Remember? Yeah, I'm saying that with the way this year has felt, it's felt like multiple years. Yeah, well. you know, and uh, I think that I walked away from this with one thought: Raquel Gonzalez is going to get a diesel sized push. I think she's the star. I think Dakota is going to be background compared to Raquel. Possibly. In terms of like my thoughts about this match, it was just kind of there for me. But I've seen Io Shirai have a lot better matches than this before, and probably even Dakota Kai herself as well with like the feud that she had earlier this year with Tegan Knox. And it was it was good. I'm not going to deny that it was good and. The the Kokai did take control of it for a long time, but there were a lot of submission rest holds. There was a lot of just going through the motions. I felt a little bit. It picked up towards the second half. Like there was the the spots in the early on, like you said, when Eo landed on her head, and then there was a good a good closing sequence with both the referee getting involved to give you that slight feeling that the coat is going to win, and maybe Eo would be going up to the main roster because that's the only way I can really see. Uh, re- reason I'd say Kai winning is the fact that Yoshirai was going to be moving up at some point. But yeah, that, and then Eo taking them both out and get, scoring the victory with another moonsault. I think, but I think that kind of the big issue was the idea that at the end of it, the really the match that you would want to look towards is Rhea Ripley and Raquel, uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Yeah, and, and that, I mean, obviously, that's like a match that's. I don't, I don't know how good it will be because I don't know how good Raquel has gotten in the time since we last saw her in an actual prominent match. But yeah, it just feels like that's overshadowing the title a little bit at the moment. I, I'm assuming Bro. the winner of that. I'm assuming the winner of that match will get the next title shot at um, AEO anyway. I just uh, I would like to see Rhea Ripley get her belt back. At this point, I don't. I feel like they screwed it up so much that I just want her to go to the main roster and just screw it. Just move on. 
Yeah, I think I think it's fine either way. It's just whichever one of them loses the title um, in, in, when they eventually have a match, because I assume that'll be the next takeover match, should just go up to the main roster immediately afterwards because there's nothing else for them to do once they've which, which, once whichever one of them loses. So I, I mean, I'd be fine with either of them going up really because they both have star power and they both have a lot of potential and they put together good matches. So. I think get, getting one of them away from the other one because they're both just going to be competing for the spot of top woman in NXT for a while. Otherwise, I don't think it's better to just get one of them out of there eventually. Ideal scenario in my mind, what I'd be doing if I were in some kind of creative control capacity, and there's plenty of things I'd be doing that, was, that would be different with what WWE's doing right now. But uh, I think I would have Raquel versus Rhea sometime over the next few weeks on NXT, maybe like two weeks from now or three weeks from now, whatever it is, however you can get there without stretching things out to an absurd amount of uh, time and book it as a number one contenders match, have uh, Rhea Ripley win and book EO versus Rhea where Raquel screws Rhea. Then you get one blow-off match again with Raquel versus Rhea. Rhea wins that. And then by that time, I'm assuming we'll have had the draft. Uh, or we'll be, like, right around that time. I don't know if that was supposed to be... That's October, right? Yeah, that's when I, I, he had said it. The draft? Um, yeah, October. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be October. So if you kind of write that up as that's Rhea Ripley's exit then you send her over to smackdown i think she's raw Raw, that gets everybody the way well i guess if it's the draft you could rearrange that bro raw's got nobody right now raw's got sasha and bailey and smackdown have sasha and bailey raw's got bianca raw's got shayna raw's got asuka but the way they're acting raw's got only sasha and bailey yeah but i mean there's a difference between what they're acting like and what they actually have to work with. Look at SmackDown. They've got Carmella who's absent and Dana and Tamina and you know what I mean? Like Sonya or Mandy's going to leave tomorrow. SmackDown uh, needs yeah. more people. So the, I, I'll give you that. You got to balance out the rosters in some way. And if they push raw people over to SmackDown the way that they should have, like, you know, they move over Mickey, they move over, maybe live, whatever it is. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We're not doing a fantasy booking thing here, but then you just bump Rhea up to the main roster and just move on. Cause at this point, if she beats EO, they're both baby faces and it'll just be a step down. If she doesn't win that title back, she's hanging around for no reason. Let's do the uh, Raquel thing, get it out of the way and then move on. And then uh, by that matter, uh, Mercedes Martinez, give the belt to her. She was the one that beats EO. Anyway, I also I wrote a little note that somebody when they did the whole Rhea and um, Raquel stare down, somebody in the crowd was like, stop talking, just make contact. (laughs) I don't know what that was about, but I thought that that was really interesting. (laughs) They've had a few people purposely be dicks, I think, to keep that like vibe of the smart ass fan, because they've had a few people just say like, whatever. And that's a funny one. <laughs> well, uh, smart ass fan, the new variation of smart out moment coming soon. 
really quickly, I'm going to toss out another plug here before we get to our main event thing. I mentioned before, we got the Patreon, we got the YouTube stuff, and you know, there's different ways to, to show your support for us on the monetary side of things. But another one of those is the merchandise shops. We got Redbubble and Public shops for Smartout Moment, for A Mango Tees, and for Fanboys Anonymous. So check those designs out, browse the catalogs of all the different product options. You can put those designs on, and if you're interested in anything, go ahead and pick it up. Uh, I don't get, all, obviously, all of the sale. I get a portion of it, but even a portion of anything like that, whether it's a little sticker or a T-shirt or a hoodie or a magnet or whatever you buy, is still going towards the fund of helping Smartout Moment grow. And if you don't know what Fanboys Anonymous is, that is the Geek Culture website where you'll find anything that's on the spectrum of superhero stuff, movie reviews, TV show things, video game stuff, comic book talk, whatever it is. All that stuff you'll find over on there. Hoping to get not only my review of Lucifer Season 5 Part 1 up pretty soon. I'm about uh, midway through Episode 4 of that right now just because this weekend is crazy with WWE type stuff. But it's also uh, that uh, that's on the mix as well as the Superman Man of Tomorrow fan tracks that Rob and I are going to potentially do. Maybe even tonight. It kind of depends on if that gets out on digital or not. So pay attention to those things. Another Week in Geek coming up. Uh, Got to cover some of the fandom stuff whenever I get a chance yeah, to check do. that stuff out. Yeah, so, you, uh, you know, plenty of things happening over there if you enjoy that kind of stuff. And if you don't, well, there's still plenty of Smart Cat Moment stuff coming your way as well. So we will get more into that in a moment. By continuing on here with the main event, Keith well, Lee. Before against... the main event, there was a vignette for NXT UK. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Totally forgot September about that. 17th. September 17th, we're getting the return, and that's all they've said. So they didn't specify if that was going to be like, we're going to roll right into the takeover event uh, that Triple we were supposed H, to do. Hold get. on. Triple H said on the media call, don't expect uh, the takeover in October. Okay. We're going to get started in September. That's going to be pushed back, but we're very excited to get started. They're going to be doing it from uh, the BT Sports Studio in London. So, and more studio wrestling in 2020. So, what's the deal with that? Because I don't really know anything about BT Sports well, in that studio. Well, well, BT Sports are the people that carry WWE uh, programming at the moment. So, they carry Raw and SmackDown from Sky after Sky dropped them. Uh, so if they have access to the studios, then they might as well have, if they have a relationship with BT, they might as well have access to it. I don't know if, if BT studios has ever been converted to promote professional wrestling before. I assume not. So I don't know how it's actually going to end up looking. It hasn't, uh, but this was apparently the company's idea, BT sports idea. Okay. Well, I guess they're trying to foster the relationship a little bit more considering how much of a colossal failure the move to BT sport has been to WWE. Which was based around the fact that BT Sport is not seen in as many homes as Sky Sports already is. Sky Sports is already a paid for subscription, so it's not free TV, and BT is an even smaller subset of that. So I think that at the moment, like WWE shows are getting somewhere between, like in the tens of thousands of viewers, not even into the hundreds of thousands for like Raw Oof. and SmackDown in the UK. That's well, wow, that's awful. I think I said to Rob um, a little while ago, like it, it might have just been like in a conversation in a chat or whatever, but I think that at the moment, Impact Wrestling gets more viewers in the UK than WWE does. Yeah, because they're on a different thing. That. Yeah, because it, uh, Impact, Impact's but... on, a fr on a free TV. Well, it's on Sky, but it's like on a more like readily available TV platform. 
But how many people, like, I'm sure the UK is still the most over market. It's just a lot of people are streaming their stuff or getting it, you know, through other means now. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that people in the UK aren't watching WWE and they just have gone off it completely. It's just the fact that very few people, a very small subsection of the uh, population has BT Sport. And so that restricts their viewership on that platform in particular. So how is it do you watch Raw and SmackDown? Do you watch it through BT? I've, I, I view it through legal means. I'll say that, <laughs> say that much. <laughs> the, and, and, and the lawyers can't say anything about it. So they're going to be recording that from the legal means sportatorium. <laughs> yeah. I, I, find, I, I find my ways of viewing it. And let's, well, to be fair, I've more realistically in the past, I've actually just gone through YouTube and checked out clips because I don't watch the whole thing from start to finish because I can't yeah. do it anymore. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I mean, I guess we'll figure out what happens with NXT UK once it starts happening. It's not something that I'm super duper like, man, I can't wait for that to happen because it's never been my you know cup of tea, especially since I don't drink tea. But hey, uh, that's well, a half, half little... the roster's gone now, so that's <laughs> true. We don't have a lot of that going on, so we'll see how that works. Uh, I'll pay paying attention to that and posting crap up on the seventeenth, I guess. But we got that. We got the thing with Damian Priest. We got that Champa is going to be returning next week. And that might be even a factor for what happened here in the main event because Karrion Cross defeated Keith Lee by pinfall to win the NXT championship. Now uh, the match Perhaps itself the biggest story coming out of this though is Karrion Cross is hurt. Really? Yep. Come on. Uh he's hurt. Yeah, he looks like he separated his shoulder. That's ridiculous. Ah. Well, that even more so is going to drive home the point that I was going to say, which was the biggest thing that I disliked about this card was the fact that we don't get a Keith Lee proper title reign because of this. Keith Lee's going up, bro. He's he's going. He has to be at this point because it's the same kind of situation as Rhea Ripley for me, where it doesn't serve much of a purpose to keep him around. since Once you've already won that championship, there's not much more else you can do. It's not like the main roster where, and I know uh, NXT is the main roster. No, it isn't. You know, it's just not. It's more high up on that hierarchy than it ever has been, yet it's still on a different level. It's just the way that it is. And once you get to Raw and SmackDown, there literally is no other moment uh, momentum to go beyond that. It's just cementing a Hall of Fame career, and you can do that in plenty of different ways, but... Once you win that NXT championship or the NXT Women's Championship, you're done. Then move up. Go to the other thing. Prove that you can win the Raw and SmackDown titles. Now that Keith Lee's lost that, I would love to see Keith Lee go up to the main roster. And for that matter, just if not for the sake of keeping him happy and keeping her happy and just freshening things up, move Medium up. Why not? She's ready. Go ahead and do it. If Alexa Bliss could come up on the main roster and win the championship and be, you know, uh, an anchor for SmackDown and then on Raw, then on SmackDown and then all that other kind of stuff, Mia Yim is more than capable. Move them both up. I would agree. If Cross is injured, that sucks because that means that deprives us of even a purpose well, for this. Okay, so Hunter basically said he's hurt, but we're going to get him an MRI and Maybe it's something we'll be able to work through. It's really a work in progress. I just, as all this news is still coming out, I just wanted to. That's good to know, you know though. Yeah. Get it going. 
Now that's even more so once they get that MRI, if we get some kind of, I almost said an MMA, uh, <laughs> once they get that, if they get bad information or something like that, we might get some kind of weird thing on NXT this next week where they might say, well, Karrion Cross is injured. He won the title, but whatever. Now we need to crown a new champion. And they might literally just pivot back over to Keith Lee and just kind of reset the thing if that's the case. Or maybe they switch it over to someone like a Champa, and Cross has to beat another whole person all over again or whatever. Oh, that's another thing. They announced that Champa's returning on Wednesday. Already brought it up. <laughs> all right. Well, <laughs> listen, Tony, attention. Yeah. I'm clearly doing a bunch of different things. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I kind of was assuming that maybe they would be setting up the idea of a Cross and Champa rematch. Well, now that might not be the case if he is injured. Maybe they switch it over in a different way. Maybe it becomes... Champa returns, and if we need to get a new champion, maybe he wins the championship. Or maybe they have no idea what they want to do because this was obviously not the plan for him to get injured. But I didn't really love the match, to be honest. Would you be into the idea of Karrion Cross and Keith Lee in a Mimosa Mayhem match? No. But I think no. if I, I think if AEW did it, people would be like, this is the best stuff ever. And if WWE did it, they'd be like, this is some hokey bullshit. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> no, don't, don't shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> Let me take over instead. That NXT you, you, over? You have... <laughs> oh, Come on. <laughs> okay, so you, you said that you didn't enjoy this match. You didn't like it. I thought this match just flat out sucks. And it might be due to the fact that Carrying Cross got injured and so he was carrying that injury and that hampered his performance but it was just rest hold after rest hold it was so slow it was meandering it was ponderous it just didn't really get like what Karen Cross has done well so far is short aggressive bursts of action in the matches which can be competitive but at least he's been I guess it's the issue the fact that he's been contained within matches that haven't really gone anywhere longer than like seven minutes or so and so he hits this match where he has to he's like to go 15, 20 minutes. And it's just really, really boring. And he doesn't have a very diverse or interesting moveset. Like his big move is a Saito suplex, which can look devastating, performs the right person. It's obviously doing it to someone like Keith Lee is impressive because of the size of Keith Lee, but it's just a Saito suplex. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing that he has is a chokehold. And we see plenty of people in WWE and NXT that use chokeholds as their as a as a main submission. So he doesn't really stand out in that regards. Obviously he stands out because he's got Scarlet and he's got the entrance and he does have a presence about him, which is good. That's the but best part just, about him. Yeah, it's the best part about him. And then the bell rings and then this happens. Especially if we, he's going to have to do more main event style matches as champion if he isn't like seriously injured and can keep hold of the title for a while. He's going to need to up his performance in main events because there is a standard for both NXT main events and NXT championship matches. And if this is what we can expect from him going forward, he doesn't. He is not of the right caliber for it. So, yeah, he is very much giving me the feel already that he's a main event uh, guy in theory but not an execution and that he probably would be better off on raw or SmackDown where they can play a little bit more to that and do the whole Brock Lesnar thing where they're like, Oh, this guy just does basically the character work and not the other stuff. We came out of Adam Cole and Keith Lee as champions. They're both 
quality in ring performers. And I'm not seeing that from Cross yet. So I didn't hate this match. Maybe it's because I had just watched a lot of AEW tag team matches and this just felt like, okay, we're just slowing the pace down and kind of getting back to basics a little. I did like the uh, the arm drop thing on the cross jacket just because we've been talking about that a lot and that's a spot that I enjoy in wrestling matches. I did hate the finish. I thought the finish absolutely sucked because it was just a side suplex and they did the thing that they did in the women's match where they're like, oh, well, this is clearly it. So I'm waiting for the kick out because it's not really like a major move and it's not a major call from the commentators. And then the referee just hits three and it's over. Mm-hmm. So, but I just sort of felt like it was a lackluster ending. I didn't hate the match. I love Cross. I think his presentation game is what's missing from wrestling. And hopefully we get better stuff from him in the future. I really feel like it's a shame that they didn't know ahead of time, which they couldn't, of course, that this would be a little more underwhelming that they couldn't have put the Pat McAfee match on last. That would have been a better main event. I think it would, it would have been yeah. a better main event. I still think that you should have put the NXT championship match on last. It's yeah. Just I a mean, of, in theory, you should have, I think realistically you should have played to carrying across his strengths and you should have had him not, not so much squash Keithley, but it should have been a lot shorter. That would have hit, that would have hidden it a bit more. And you know what? If it would have happened a few months down the line where Keith Lee had a championship reign, I probably wouldn't dislike it if that were to happen. Because yeah. then no, at I... that point, they would have probably built up Carrying Cross even better, too. And then it would have been like, okay, he's running through everybody. And he just happened to also run through Keith Lee. At this point, yeah. it's like, who's this guy beaten? He beat Ciampa in a squash. That's a big deal. But then he's beaten like Lorkin and Birch and Bronson. And like, what? So it's like, Okay, they're not slouches. They're not, you know, Denzel's internet where it's like, okay, this guy's clearly not going to win any kind of a match, but they're we still just. He destroyed Dijakovic as well. Yeah, Dijakovic, yeah. And like, that's, you know, that's an impressive thing. But it's still just, okay, you've had a handful of matches already. And now you're taking down the guy who beat the longest reigning champion and was a double champion and all that. I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me. So I I think it's one of those things that they're working with the skeleton crew. He beat as many NXT mainstays as he could without, you know, running through Gargano and Dream as well. But they're working with the best they can. And it's just one of those things that we're going to have to kind of take the loss on this one because that was the best they could do. Well, I just feel like, especially if Lee is going up to the main roster, there's no harm in having him be I don't say destroyed but just be beaten convincingly in because at the end of the day very few people that watch Raw and Smackdown actually watch NXT as a proportion of the fan base and very in small probably even even smaller number of that watch takeovers so it's not like it's going to hurt him tremendously if he was Mm -hmm. to be defeated soundly in this and then go up to the main roster most people just see him as a new guy or a guy they saw at the oh I saw that guy at the Royal Rumble a couple of um Months yeah. I wonder what happens to him, that sort of thing. So I, I just feel like that would have played to cross his strengths a little bit more. It would have made it seem like, okay, this guy is like this new unbelievable force in NXT because he's only been around for a couple of months and he's left a trail of bodies his wake and he's already like defeated the 
the champion soundly. So who's going to be the guy that takes him down? Whereas this just felt like them trying to do the standard, typical NXT big match main event with a guy who's not ready for that level yet. Yeah, and I don't blame Keith Lee either for that no. matter. We've seen enough from Keith Lee that I know that he's a damn good performer. I think this is solely on Cross. No, yeah, any anything that Keith Lee was doing in the match was infinitely better than Cross. It was just it was just a case of Cross did his few things, but he couldn't extend it out over a twenty minute period. So he needs to get more. I don't say get more diverse, but he needs to get. They even need to decide. Okay, this guy is limited in what he can do in the ring, so we need to keep his matches more c- compact and play to his strengths of just being destroying people and being have that presence and that aura about him of being an absolute killer. Or he needs to get more reps under his belts with guys who are like the likes of Champa and Gargano and Finn Balor, people that just are great in the ring, get him more get more matches with him and other people, and hopefully he gets better over time. But he champ- he's champion now, so I'd personally prefer them go with the former. Is this the first time in maybe ever, but definitely a considerable amount of time, that NXT's champions aren't work rate guys? Because... I wouldn't consider Damian Priest a work rate guy either. Oh, but you've got EO and you've got Imperium and they're both and and Santos Escobar and I think that they're all pretty much in the work rate category. Yeah, it's true. Well who knows? Maybe we see another facelift in NXT yeah. where it's gonna become more about the characters. Well, in which case Damian Priest needs to develop one. <laughs> Good. Good one. If uh, Cross does have a separated shoulder, do you guys remember what the estimated recovery rate is for that offhand? Is that one of those things where it's like two months, or is it one of those things where it's like half a year or a whole year or whatever? Are you suggesting I'm a doctor? Yeah, do we need to get Ethan in the call quickly for this? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Um, I like. I know we've had plenty of separated shoulder stories over the past few years. I'm just blanking on like who the last one was and how long it took him. Whatever. I think it would be a few months at the very least. I, don't, I mean, it depends how, like, I guess it would depend how much is separated or if the separation is having any sort of like complications attached to it or not. Because it's, it's not a dislocation. Dislocation would be something that would just like take a few weeks probably at the most to to deal with. But a separation, that could, yeah, that could extend into several months, I'd imagine. So I don't think I don't think that if it, it does prove that to be the case, I don't think he would be able to hold on to the NXT Championship. Ethan, let us know. <laughs> Yeah, let's know, let me know if I'm completely wrong on investigations, but I'm just, I'm going with at least the assumption that I think that he will be, if he has, does have a separate shoulder, they'll have to crown a new NXT champion. Mm. Yeah, I really hope that's not the case. I'd rather them, if they can even do this, of course, because it, it depends on how long it takes and whatever. It would be one of those rare situations where I'd actually be okay with them having a champion who doesn't show up. If it's just like, Cross makes an appearance here once in a while with like a promo and they just drag this out for like a month or two or something. It all depends too on when we're going to get our next takeover because we don't know when that's going to be. Rumor that that could be on the 4th of October. They could do a fill-in thing for that planned NXT takeover in Dublin for the UK side of things. We know we have been getting war games right before Survivor Series, so maybe that's in the mix. I don't know, but... If he can't compete before, you know, at the very least Survivor Series in November, then they got to look at that and go, all right, there's no chance. And then they just need a new champion. And that'll completely kill off all this whole point of Karrion Cross having won that title. But, you know, if I'm looking on the uh, 
the glass half full side of things for something that I'm not a big fan of. If it ends up being the case where Cross is injured, we need to crown a new champion, and Keith Lee goes up to the main roster, then at least Keith Lee lost to Karrion Cross, as opposed to they just had him drop the title to, I don't know, uh, take your pick. You know? Like, he lost to a guy that's been built up as a monster. Yeah, it's it's. I know it's like the, it's the right person to do, but they put they wanted to strap the rocket behind Cross, and he won the title from it. So and there's no shame in Keith Lee losing somebody they've been building up for a good couple of months. Yeah, and I think whatever happens, Keith Lee will be fine. He's too good not to be. So he'll bounce Vince back. Has already said, Vince has already shown interest in him. I mean, see the way that he they booked him against. Brock and against the people in the Survivor Series match, they like he will be totally fine. Well, like with anything else, of course, we're gonna try to see how this plays out in the future, and of course, anything that does happen, we will give you more information about that when we know. You'll be finding that all over the place on SmartCamoma.com in all sorts of different fashions, whether it's you know the SummerSlam stuff that we're gonna be doing tomorrow night with that pay per view, or whether it's the NXT coverage over Wednesday and future takeover events and blah, blah, blah. Just uh, keep paying attention to this channel on YouTube or wherever you're listening to us. Keep checking the page on smartgunmoment.com because that's just going to be an influx of content with whatever is going on in WWE and AEW and elsewhere. And that's kind of all that there is to say as far as I'm aware of uh, TakeOver 30. Uh, Some big positives, some smaller positives, a couple little negatives, one big negative if Cross is injured. Not the best pay-per-view, not my uh, major option for pay-per-view of the year, but I liked it, so it's something that I'm not going to be complaining about, really. Maybe just the main event. <laughs> I thought it was, from what I saw, it looked like an eventful night, and I'm seeing a lot of the clips of the ladder match, and it seems like it was a pretty big show. Yeah, uh, least favorite takeover of the year for me, but still a good show. Alrighty, everybody. So tell us your thoughts. Uh, I plugged pretty much everything that I need to plug, except for just a real quick runaround. But uh, these guys have some other things that are out there that you should be checking out, as well as the things that I've been mentioning. Rob? Yeah, I, you can check out Fightful, check out WrestleZone. Uh, there will be some exclusive stuff from tonight's Dynamite and from the media call over on Fightful and Fightful Select including why a Rey Mysterio reference had to be cut out of tonight's Dynamite. So just check out all that stuff. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dude Felice and check out Paul Heyman's SmackDown podcast. But to tell you more about that, here's Callum Muggins. Yeah, so every Saturday on the Small Cat Moment channel, wherever you listen to our podcast, there is the Paul Heyman SmackDown uh, show where me and Rob go back to the year 2002, check out all of the episodes of SmackDown that Paul Heyman was the head writer for. So the one that has just gone into your feeds uh, earlier today would have been the episode where the build, like the po- the oh word go home show. The, the go word. home show <laughs> for uh, so, so, so SummerSlam 2002, and then this Tuesday there will be a review of the SummerSlam 2002 event itself on the Patreon for Darkcast members. So if you are on that tier, hopefully you look forward to that review as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Wickmeister14. Check out all the articles on smartcommoment.com, including the power rankings. 
And also the news that we revealed on Wednesday was the fact that the Fantasy League is coming back. So the results from the SummerSlam pay-per-view, which is coming up tomorrow, will determine who will go first with that. So we'll help maybe have a quick review of the order based on the results of SummerSlam on tomorrow's post-show. And then sometime next week, we'll do the draft of it. And then we're off to the races. Yeah, so those are the things you have coming your way most immediately, everybody. That SummerSlam post-show coming up tomorrow night, or I guess, well, technically tonight when you're listening to this, most likely, because this isn't going to get up until at least in the morning. But we got that on Sunday night. Then we got the Fantasy League draft of whatever our teams are going to be, whether that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, something along those lines. We're going to do it. Still haven't quite figured that out yet. We've got Payback coming up next week. So we're going to do another pay-per-view point predictions preview of that. There's too many uh, P's there. Pay-per-view point predictions preview of Payback. <laughs> Just like pa 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 And uh, then, of course, we're going to do the pay-per-view point post-show of Payback. <laughs> it's another couple of P's. All these P's. Um, Lots of alliteration here on Spark Island. Yeah, Peter Parker picked a peck of uh, pay-per-view point post-shows for Payback. And the whole setup with that is going to continue on. And then after that, where we have, you know, where we would normally be like, wow, we're done with all the pay-per-views and we're going to move on to something else. Nope, then it'll be all out. And then after that, then hopefully at the beginning of September, we'll be able to do some other things and then we'll move on to Clash of Champions and so on and so forth. But it's already at that point where we're looking at uh, having a game plan for the whole rest of the year. And that kind of makes me go, oh, crap, I'm old. And time's flying by, even though it's taking forever. So... Pay attention to everything that's here. Uh, if you, of course, have not subscribed, do that. Ring that little notification bell to be aware of when things go up. Join the membership platform on YouTube. Hit up the Patreon and just uh, be safe and be nice to everybody because we need more of that in the world. But for now, this has been another Smart Out Moment and we're being counted out.